Should I close the door? Can you hear them? Oh, yeah, can you hear? We're recording, by the way. Hello, future. <gasps> oh. Hello, and welcome back to Authors Anonymous. I'm Malia. I'm Patrick. And I'm Matilda. And today, we're going to be discussing adaptations. Writing comes in all forms, from movies to books to comics and even more. But all the time, stories get adapted from one medium to another. The question is, what separates a good adaptation from a bad one? Personally, I think that the best way to is... To answer that question, let's start off with some good adaptations. What do you guys think? I think Goodfellas is a good one. Oh, Goodfellas is good. But I've never read the like source material. Like, Do you think it's accurate? My sister read it, and, sh- and she watched Goodfellas, too, and she said it was pretty accurate. <laughs> but I feel like it might have been cheating because, like, although it, it, it is a book, but it's also like a, a real event that actually happened. Yeah, that's true. So it's like there's more source. Of so in a way, the book is an adaptation of real life. I think that ties into our question because a lot of it is when you adapt a book into a movie, what do you keep and what do you change? So any movies that you've seen based on books, anyone think of any? Okay, good or bad? Good or bad. Okay, so I read The Hate You Give first and then watched the movie second. And I mean, it was like a big controversy anyways, but the whole like recasting like the darker skin character on the main cover of the book and then having a lighter skin actress play it. I definitely feel like it didn't take away from the story, but it definitely just kind of feels like I feel like there was so much nuances that were like left out because they decided to go with like the star power, lighter skin actress. But also I feel like the book itself compared to the movie, I I feel like it definitely follows the plot and I feel like it definitely covers all the right points it needs to cover. Yeah, that's a great point. How do you you guys feel about the controversial like Percy Jackson adaptation? Because like there's some people who hate it and then there's some people who like it. Personally, I like it, but only because I haven't read the source material. So like, I really can't compare it. But I feel like it was a good movie. How do you guys feel about Percy Jackson and The Lightning Thief? I think you bring up casting is a really interesting thing because that's always a big thing when you read a book and you love it and you look at the casting and you think, this was a terrible idea. I remember in Percy Jackson, actually, the movies were flawed, but I was like nine, so I'm sure I didn't care. What I did care about is that Annabeth was not played by a blonde person, which personally ruined the movie for me. How important do you think casting to look directly like the character is? I think it depends on, like, if the way the character looks really impacts our development. Like, for example, you were saying, like, a lighter skin versus a dark skin. Like, that plays with a lot of themes in certain novels and stuff. So, yeah, I think it just depends on how important the appearance is of the characters. Right. With the lighter skin, darker skin, that kind of reveals a kind of bias in Hollywood and how to turn in books. I think that books really have the ability to be much more specific than large Hollywood movies are because they're trying to make as much money as possible. Books are too, but they're allowed to be more niche because they don't have to like play nationwide. Um, and also to go with casting, I think, for example, The Outsiders, I don't know if you guys read and watched The Outsiders, but I think by casting like a very attractive, like actors, I'm not going to lie, um, in the cast <laughs> of Outsiders, it kind of takes away what the whole point of the book was and people just focused on like, <gasps> the characters were so attractive and this and that, but they don't talk about the plot itself. By people, you are referring to yourself. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, like, how do you feel? Like, were you thirsting over the actors or were you, you know, watching the movie? Um, I read the book, so I wasn't... <laughs> okay, so I read the book, obviously. Sorry, <laughs> but I, I already got... I already learned my lesson, so... 
I mean, I read the book too, but it was like kind of required reading in like seventh grade. So like, yeah. I don't, I didn't really read it, read it. You know, just kind of read it to like answer guided reading questions. What was that movie about, anyways? The Outsiders. Yeah. Greasers. Yeah. Versus. Socias. that's what they were called. I think there's always, I think casting is probably just going to be one of those personal preference thing, or like some people are like it has to be exactly the same. Some people don't care. As far as using attractive people to cast, that's an interesting point because the film Dune is based off a very thick, physically book that is incredibly detailed in its sci-fi world and intense and hard for people to get into. By casting young star Timothy Chalamet as the lead, they got at the very least, my sister, to watch the movie, which she wouldn't have otherwise, and she since has fallen in love with that film, watching it multiple times. So do you think it's fair to cast attractive people just to get people to watch the movie? Or do you think that's kind of a cop-out? It's just, I think it's definitely a cop-out. It's kind of like the same as using like big-name celebrities in certain movies so that people come and watch it. I feel like it's not a problem as long as they can actually do the job. Like, sometimes, like, the actress can't really act or actress can't really act, but they're booking them because of the star power kind of takes away from, like, the movie itself. Speaking of Harry Styles, he's been in three <laughs> movies now. <laughs> now, I haven't seen Don't Worry, Darling. I think both of you have. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you think he did not? I didn't mind his acting throughout the movie. And mostly because, like, if you think about it, like, his character, I thought it was gonna be, like, he was going to be a major character because he is a major character. But I was really focused on, like, f you know, Florence's, like, character's discovery on, like, realizing that, like, what the world is and, like, if it's real or fake. So, like, I really didn't mind his acting. I feel like he was just really there to, like, really kiss up on her and hug her. And that's about it. Yeah, I think his character, I mean, acting-wise, it, it required the bare minimum. So there wasn't really much for him to do or to impress me in. Um, his character is supposed to be, like, kind of a sigma alpha male <laughs> sort of guy. So... He doesn't really have much personality to begin with. So casting can take away from the adaptation. I know another example is this. The 1990 film Dracula is a great film starring Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder as the young leads to get people interested in this boring book. Keanu Reeves is horrible in that movie. <laughs> horrible. And that really takes away from it. But other than his casting, the movie really works incredibly. And Dracula is an interesting example. Because the book itself predates film, and it's had so many different adaptations from like, early cinema, black and white, to really up to the 90s, and that's when they mastered it. In my opinion, they made the perfect Dracula movie. Nobody can compete. They could just replace Keanu Reeves. So, but other than Keanu Reeves, it was an incredible film. So, in my opinion, casting is not make or break. What do you think is make or break to an adaptation? What could sink the whole film if it's not done correctly? I would say definitely missing, like, or misinterpreting a theme, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I think theme is really more important than any other... Element? I don't know. <laughs> Element. I don't... I know some people might say that, like, leaving out characters would impact how good an adaptation is, but... For example, um, Game of Thrones doesn't use all the characters in Song of Ice and Fire, but look, it's, I still think it's a great show. And I still think it's a pretty good adaptation, but again, Game of Thrones is also kind of interesting because the, like the novel, the series itself didn't really finish, so they kind of took things for their own. But just on basis of character and who's there and who's not, it doesn't really in impact the plot that much as you, th like as you think it would. So, Malia, I know you've read Girl Interrupted, which is based on a diary were there pretty significant changes from the movie 
ba- that movie was based off like the author of the book's life, right? Yeah, it was her it's diary. Like the memoir, yeah. yeah, I think that mo- that movie is a perfect example of how like when the director wants to take his own take on it to make it more interesting, it can really mess it up because apparently there was a scene where Winona Ryder was getting bathed by Whoopi Goldberg in their characters. And I think she made a like a racist comment, which was not accurate to the book at all. So I definitely oh. feel like I think the director trying to emphasize how the character was going on a direwood spiral by having her say racist comments is immoral because at the end of the day, it's based off a book that was based off someone's life. And I think that's where like sometimes they have to stay, you know, in the, in the within the guidelines of the actual book. Yeah, creative freedom of the new medium i think is interesting i think another similar example was orange is the new black which is a great show based on a true story and a book and one of the behind the scenes comments i remember is the real life protagonist of the show piper was angry at the show's creator for humanizing the guards saying that it's unrealistic to have them be like quirky and have little personalities when in reality they were cruel but the show's creator stressed that it was important because you have to make a compelling show that people would want to watch more so than translate directly what happened. So as far as adaptations, how much do you care about a true story being true to life? Yes, because if you're going to like having the title true story, I mean, like definitely there's ways that you can like take your own creative freedom by maybe like adding a character that wasn't there. But I feel like making a character racist when they weren't racist in real life is just a bit too far just to keep the audience attention, definitely. I also agree with her on that. Yeah, it's definitely difficult. And we could, I mean, I don't even want to talk about it because it's a bit upsetting, but we do have some recent examples like the Dahmer story and the Marilyn Monroe story, which I haven't seen, so maybe I shouldn't make any bold claims about it, but I heard it was pretty villainizing of Miss Marilyn, which seems a little cruel. Oh, yeah, I think they just like glamorized her essay which in like first of all the the movie itself was based off a book that was not even based off like Marilyn's real life it was like a fictional dramatization of her entire life and I think that book itself didn't even need to be made because at the end of the day Marilyn Monroe was a real person I think directors if they want to create a character they can maybe create a character that has that like they, they want to like base off the real person. But if you're going to try to say that this happened to Marilyn Monroe is kind of insane because what if it was like a younger audience who watched it and they don't know the true story and they just based off like, oh, okay, that's what happened to Marilyn Monroe. That's the type of person she was. And I think they take it too far when they want to have creative freedom with actual lives. Mm. So do you think that the person telling a true story has a responsibility to portray their subject honestly? Yeah. Yeah. I think creative freedom can only be really, not justified, but Baz Luhrmann, for example, he uses creative freedom, like, out there. I mean, you look at, like, the Great Gatsby movie, and you read, the, like, the novel, it's completely different tones and mood-wise. Like, Great Gatsby, I think the novel, um, personally, I didn't take it, like, obviously it's in the 20s, and it's very party-going, but... I don't think the entire town was super, super like fast paced and partying compared to like the movie itself. It's like in your face. There's like there's loud music playing and you kind of get distracted when it comes to the novel. You're with Nick Carraway the entire time. And I think that's just like an example of like how people use their creative freedom to like an overlarging extent. And even he did that with Romeo and Juliet, too. Like with the Leonardo DiCaprio was completely different than the actual Shakespeare Romeo and Juliet. So from adding too many new things to having too many things to choose from, let's go to comic book adaptations. 
because there are no shortage of comic books and you cannot fit nearly as much as you want to in a single movie. Yeah, I think comic book adaptations are very interesting because there's so much detail over, like, you know, a crap ton of issues. And there's a lot of different authors, too, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of different, like, versions. And I think it's... The res- like the fan base reception of adapt like comic book adaptations I think is really interesting because there's so many things that they're like oh this isn't accurate this isn't accurate but then you compare it to like an actual um, like you compare the fan base reception to a, like a comic book movie to like someone watching a true story or like I don't know a book adaptation film and it's so different I think it's weird because I feel like you would sympathize more with the comic book people because they have so much and they can't reiterate everything and I just it's just consumers I guess they're really picky let me ask both of you a very important question how many Batman movies have you seen I think <laughs> start with you Malia I'm trying to think I saw the new Batman I've seen like actually probably I don't want to say I've seen every single Batman movie I've, s- I've watched a few animated ones too I would say I've seen a lot. I, sorry, but only one. Which? I, and it was, uh, I think, The Dark Knight Returns. That's one without Heath Ledger, right? Dark Knight Rises. Dark, yeah, Dark Knight Rises, right. yeah. And Any Batman you? games and comics in your... Yes. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. No? <laughs> Interesting. So, yeah, I've seen a lot of recent Batman movies, and I've played a lot of the games, too. So I think that's an interesting example because Batman is a character that has been brought to the forefront so many different times in different ways with different voices and ideas behind him. Tilda, Mm -hmm. how would you describe Batman seeing only one of the films? Okay, Batman is like, to me, like, okay, a dark brooding billionaire that wants to do good, but is just like stuck, is like kind of caught in the gray lines of like what's good and what's right based off that one movie. And, like, I know, like, the culture references mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But, yeah, he's just, like, a billionaire who wants to do the right thing. Malia, would you expand on that? On Batman's character? With your expertise. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Batman's... Okay, so you were saying, like, he's caught on, like, what's wrong and what's right. I think he's too much, like, absorbed in his past. He can't get over his past trauma. I don't want to say too much without sounding like a geek. But there's like a lot to go into his character. But I did a question for you. So since you've only seen one Batman movie, what do you think about like all the stuff coming out about him? Are you, because I don't know if Patrick is like this, but even though it's kind of like, oh God, here he comes again, I'll still go see it. But what are your thoughts on it? On like how he just keeps getting like re. Yeah. Well, I think he's like a staple in like America cinema. Like I think he's just one of the things that's just never going to die. But I don't know. I, I do think it's kind of getting played out, especially now with the news that, like, Henry Cavill has brought back his Superman. And it's just like, <laughs> I mean, how many times can we go uh, with, with Batman? But, like, I heard that the new one kind of takes a new perspective on him. So maybe, I don't know how I feel about that one. I definitely have to watch it. He's been adapted so many times. What things are important to adapt, what things aren't? And why do you think they chose these things, right? Like, he's obviously a billionaire all the time, but... He's a billionaire all the time. There's always Alfred in them. Okay. Setting's always the same. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's it's, it's rent to the ground. I think we definitely need new stories because, like, how many how many spins can we have on like Batman? Because we've had what the Tim Burton series, then there's Christopher Nolan's, and then and then what's what's his name? He's like the new DC director, Snyder cuts. I think what Snyder. So like, wait, Malia and like Patrick, since you guys watch way more than me, do you think like that like between Burton, 
Nolan and Snyder that he's been like Batman has actually been like a new character or is it just kind of the same stuff over and over? That's what's interesting, yeah. And that's why I brought it up is that at the best of times when it's like a good movie, it's interesting to see how a director takes pre-existing elements like he's a billionaire, he is lives in Gotham City, his parents have died. These are like the hallmarks, the staples of the Batman story and do their own thing with it. Like, for example, in the Christopher Nolan Batman movie, he uses his billionaire status and resources as head of a big company to become Batman, whereas in the newest Matt Reeves Batman, he is losing all of his money because he's spending it being Batman. So, Malia? I was going to say that I think that each like new era of Batman, like in the film and like world, is almost like they're taking a certain aspect of his character and then just like emphasizing it to the max. Like you were saying with Christopher Nolan, like he really focused on like not the billion like billionaire, but I would say like the more action esque part of his like of his character. I would say, like I don't know if that makes sense. Like Christopher Nolan's Batman compared to like um, Matt Reeves or DCEU's like Batman is very different because it's much more grounded in reality. Yeah, and also the trilogy I think is more of an action movie than the rest. If that makes sense. Like I think DCEU is like a blockbuster, but not necessarily like a pure. It's much more epic yeah and then matt reeves is i think it's just more of a just a movie kind of thing if i could say one more thing about batman as an example not just because i want to talk about batman all this time let's compare some of the good adaptations to the bad ones briefly which would you say is your least favorite batman oh my god batman versus superman totally i hated that movie because batman kills people (laughs) and batman does not (laughs) kill people to me the breaking point was that he killed people <laughs> so i think that exemplifies that some traits from the original source material are much more important to carry over even at the expense of others because christopher nolan's batman didn't do much detective work but i think we'd agree that he's a better interpretation mm-hmm. because it felt like a real character who carried out batman's themes of right and wrong and all that stuff i would say that one other thing from the whole batman scheme is that there's many 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 sequels um, what do you guys think of sequels? Like, do you think that people are stretching out the original material or? I feel like if like the story, like if it's like, if the original idea already had like a plan that would span over the original movie, then I think it works because it like the characters were already made in mind to live past the 90 minute mark. But I feel like when they see this, the success of one movie and they try to make it, I feel like it just never works because at the end of the day, they didn't, it was never the plan. They're just, they're doing it based off money. So let's take a step backwards in our adaptation talk and say, when do you think adaptations are unwelcome? Because at a certain point, I think we've had five Little Women movies at this point. (laughs) When shouldn't an idea or story be adapted? I think what it boils down to is if somebody really has an idea and wants to elevate it into something different. Another question. Have either of you ever read a book, enjoyed it or not? And then watched an adaptation and thought, this is so much better than the book. Well, okay, have you read Percy Jackson? Mm-hmm. Okay. Why is it hated? I know we're talking about, like, this is so much better, but, like, can you just explain to me? Because as a person who never read it, I mean, I think Lo- Logan Lerman was perfect for it. But why do you, like, why does why is there so much despise for it? I think it's just, be- like, you were saying how the whole sequel thing where people, the 90-minute mark, it needs to go past the 90-minute mark. I think the first book should have been past the 90-minute mark. Like, they just didn't cover 
anything and they really dumbed down the characters to like two-dimensional i don't think they really followed the book at yeah. all i think that's why people are upset like percy's supposed to be 11 oh yeah he, he was old so he was yeah old. okay that, that makes sense like but what's a good one i mean i, I feel like it's that's a very bold question to say because i feel like there's like it's like the idea of a good adaptation is so subjective because everyone has their own opinion on like a piece of media that they've read and then like converting it to another piece of media and then saying like, okay, I interpreted both these medias and this is better. I feel like it's just always gonna be subjective because someone might, might like it and I might hate it. I think I'm gonna have to watch Dracula because personally I did not like Dracula the novel. And from what I'm hearing from Patrick is that <laughs> Dracula the movie is amazing. So we can go ahead and guess and say that Dracula's better than the book. I think that's an interesting topic, like I said before, it is almost the definitive Dracula movie at this point because it's just such a great film and it's almost like anybody else who wants to tell that story really can't tell it better. And what's interesting about that is that the film has a beautiful love story that is not in the book whatsoever that was completely fabricated for the movie. And that's still what gave it its lasting effect. As far as a superior adaptation and maybe I should widen that to interpretation because there's a little film called Suspiria from the 70s, which is a famous movie, famous for its bright colors and style. It's a wild movie with a mystery and the mystery is solved at the end and it's crazy, it's wild, it's 90 minutes around there. There was a remake of it a few years ago, also called Suspiria, and it is about two hours and 40 minutes long. And visually it looks nothing like the original and story-wise it takes the story and expands almost every single element of it and takes makes use of every piece that wasn't even there intentionally for example it takes place in berlin and it released in 1977 they turn that into a crucial part as the berlin wall and the surrounding conflicts kind of escalated throughout the story so that's an example of the director had such a understanding and appreciation for the original ideas that he was willing to expand upon them so much. And that's what, in my opinion, made it a success, but that is a difficult pick because it is divisive and some people think it fell right on its face. So there really are no clear answers here. <laughs> okay, how do you guys feel about To Kill a Mockingbird? Because I think we, everybody has read that. Yeah. And, like, and no one was watching the movie because the movie's really old. So like, have you ever watched the movie? Yeah. Okay, so how I've do you feel movie. about, like, movie to... Uh, I don't know. I thought the movie was good. And I thought the book was good. Um, I've seen them. I watched the movie a while ago, so I can't remember if there was anything that was entirely different than the book. I want to say it was the same, but I'm not sure. But I would say that quality-wise, the book, the movie was good, and the book was good, so... Yeah. I think what makes the movie different is that... And I remember coming to Kill Mockingbird, I knew, you know, from the movie and also just from people talking about it, it's about a very important court case. And what surprised me reading the book afterwards was the court case only takes up a little bit. Basically, the second half of the book is much more focused on that, and there's so much else going on. So that's an example of the filmmaker really, probably due to time constraints, picking an important element and expanding Oh, true. That. I want to say that at the end of, of the book, I don't know if it's the end of the book or near the end of the book. Um, Scout and Jem get like caught up in some conflict in the woods or something, and oh Boo yeah. Radley comes to help. And I may be wrong here, but I don't remember that being in the movie. I it was. It was in the movie. It was. I don't yeah. remember that being. In it was. Don't you remember Scout's ham costume? 
I don't know. Oh, wait, just it's kidding. the dad of the woman. I remember it now. The dad of the woman attacks Scout, and then Boo Radley saves the day. I remember that, yeah. actually. Just Michael, like, when Boo Radley came out in the movie, I was like, he's not ugly. Like He looks like a, <laughs> like, I'm not saying he was attractive, but he looked like a French model. Like He didn't look like Boo Radley, who's been like in captivity for like what all his life. Ugly people weren't allowed in the movies back then. Yeah, and also, but <laughs> I think the movie did a really good job of like, like making Atticus Finch like the perfect white savior. Because in the book, I was just like, oh, he's so great. Like, you know, racism is bad. And then like in the movie, in the movies, like it did, it did a really good job of, like of transferring that character. But I feel like I don't remember, but I feel like the book spent a lot of time of like kind of like building the family dynamic. And I feel like the movie didn't have time for that. Because remember, there was like the kid that became a part of their family kind of. Oh, the little boy. Yeah, Walter. I feel like Wal- Walter. Yeah, I think yeah. they, they kind of just like skimmed over that I in the movie. So, To Kill a Mockingbird is regarded as one of the great movies of all of cinema, and it's one that excised a lot from the original book. So, it seems that the movie still stands on its own two feet. You don't have to read the book, and you don't even have to know about the preceding incidents that the book really goes much further into. So, it really requires a sizing up of the important plot elements and what is going to make a memorable film and what is going to communicate the film's message as succinctly as possible. Now let's wind down here by bringing back the most important thing we've mentioned today. Batman, of course. (laughs) So I had no interest in watching the 2022 Batman film directed by Matt Reeves because I was tired of Batman. I'd seen so many movies and games and comics that I just was not interested But when I watched it, it was a unique take on the character that I hadn't seen before, that of a weird loner who was running out of money. And that's what made me enjoy the movie, and I was glad that I saw it. So you were also tired of Batman, right? Mm -hmm. And you didn't see the new Batman movie. Nope. (laughs) Speaking of nope, you did see that movie. Yeah. And do you think in the future it's an easy decision for you to pick something original over something with an idea that's been interpreted before. Yeah, because I think I'm, I'm not a person who likes to rewatch things. So like, I already know about Batman, and I just don't want to see Batman on a new adventure. I want something new, something fresh. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, that's really the most important part of this. Even if you're adapting something that is already pre-existing and maybe even has existed for a while, like Dracula, if you have a new take on it, if you have something new you want to bring to the table, then that is what really separates a lot of good adaptations from ones that we're all just going to avoid in the end. Thank you, Tilda, for joining us today. Don't forget to check our socials that will be in our bio. We will have another podcast coming out in two weeks, so stay tuned for that. This is Authors Anonymous signing off.